Great to have you aboard and welcome into another edition of State Lines, where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. Along with my co-host, John Spataro, my name is Jason Gotch. The Bears and the Rams last week on the Monday night stage, not so good for the Chicago Bears as they suffer their second defeat of the season straight up, losing 24-10. to They also lost on the spread. John and I also gave you a bunch of picks against the spread, including our best bets. Boy, oh boy, John, for me, I got the pick in the Bears game right, taking the Rams. I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But uh, the best bets had another terrible beat, went 0-3 there. I'll give you my rundown, but I'm going to let you have the floor uh, Tell the listeners how you did win or lose. We're always honest with you here on State Lines. We sure are, and this one's going to be tough to be honest, but I have to be another 0-3 week for myself as well. I was on the Falcons to cover a two-and-a-half point spread at home against the Lions. This one got down to about one point in, in the Falcons' favor before game time, so if you could have got that, you might have pushed on this. Unfortunately, I did not. I was riding the uh, minus two-and-a-half points on the side of the Falcons, and that game had a 90% chance to cover with one minute left in the game. And then, of course, if you watched, you saw the Lions come back with a last-second touchdown. Kind of the reverse of what both of these teams did against the Bears. Somebody had to do it, right? Somebody had to win after blowing all these late leads uh, between the Lions and the Falcons. So the Lions win that game. They also cover the spread, and I uh, take another L for the season. But that wasn't nearly as bad, although you know, losing in the last minute of any game will hurt. But I was not even close on my other two bets. I was in deep with the Chiefs and the Broncos game this Sunday. I was on the under and I was on the side of the Denver Broncos plus nine and a half points. I thought it was going to be a snowy slog type game where it was going to be low scoring and the Broncos were going to find a way to not lose uh, by 10 points. Unfortunately, the Kansas City Chiefs proved me wrong. They almost hit the over by themselves. They scored 43 points in this game and the Broncos scored 16. So both of those bets, not even close. I don't even really think I was in play at halftime in that pick. I felt pretty good about it, but nonetheless, another 0-3 week for me. In terms of the Bears game, I did take the Bears, so that's another loss, but I did hit on the under. I thought that that was going to be a safe play, and I guess, if anything, that's a bright spot in my week. But a tough week. I'm going to have to do something special uh, coming up in the Best Bet segment at the end of the show to try and break this 0-1 streak that I have going and hopefully get back on track like I say every week. Yeah, John, it's not easy betting on the NFL. You started off the season real hot. I started off pretty hot as well. It's been a rough couple of weeks for both of us. I want to elaborate, though, because I was with you on that Falcons game. I had the Falcons minus three there. You had the Falcons laying the points as well. And you mentioned if you shopped it around at game time, you might have got it plus one. A lot of money. I choke because you don't normally see a ton of money coming out of the Detroit Lions. But the Lions, uh, the last couple of weeks with road wins in Jacksonville two weeks ago and then last week in Atlanta. But that game was absolutely brutal. John John mentioned that the Lions came down and scored that late touchdown and got the extra point to, to win it 23-22. But the worst part of that game was with about a minute left, Todd Gurley is supposed to just fall down near the goal line and set up a game-winning field goal attempt, a chip-shot field goal attempt that would have given Atlanta the win by one point. Instead, what he does is he falls down accidentally into the end zone. They showed Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, after that happened. He just looked at the sky and said, oh my gosh, this nightmare of a season continues. You know, our guys scored, but now we gave them enough time. And sure enough, Matt Stafford marches his team down the field 
And what do they do? They get a touchdown and kick the extra point. So if Todd Gurley just falls down, John, we win that. We, we're going to win that bet. There's not going to be pretty much a doubt about that one. It's going to be one that we're going to be able to get. Unfortunately, if you got the right points, of course, that is. But it doesn't go our way on that one. Also, I had New, New England. I, I'm going to jump off the Patriots bandwagon. I think Cam Newton looks terrible. I'm surprised by that. But they got killed at home by the 49ers, 33-6. to It's uh, Tom Brady's looking real good with Tampa Bay. Bill Belichick, not so much with New England as uh, that squad, the New England Patriots, without Tom Brady, not looking good at all. Now, I don't think it's all Brady. That roster was aging anyway. They had a lot of defensive defections this year. So it's a combination of things. But the Patriots were laying two in that game, and they lost by a score of 33-6. to And then here's another tough loss for you, John. I had the Titans plus one and a half. They're down in the game to the Steelers in Nashville. A couple of unbeaten teams. 27-24 is the score. Closing seconds. Steven Goskowski, who was automatic during his career at the Patriots, botches a 45-yard field goal attempt. He misses that one. So instead of going to overtime and getting a chance for a cover, getting one and a half, the Steelers end up winning that game over the Titans 27-24. So a rough 0-3 week for Jason Gotch with the best bets. Also, I did have the Rams minus the 6.5, so I had a win there. But I did also take the over 24-10, the finals, so had a loss. So we win the side with the Bears-Rams going against the Bears on the road in L.A. against Sean McVay and company. But we did not hit the over. So like John, I'm looking for a bounce-back week. And hopefully they'll start. We give you our, our bets every single week, not only in our best bets category, but also we talk about some of the games that are locally going to be on TV in the state of Illinois, and we'll have that coming up for you in a little bit. But first things first, John, you know, a lot of our listeners, we talk about it every week, based here in Illinois, they're big Chicago Bears fans, and a lot of them will like to you know, put a little money to make the Bears game a little more interesting for them, pick a side or a total. Maybe going with the Bears or going even against the Bears if they think they're going to lose a game. But that game at the Rams, the Bears offense really caught up with with that team. Uh, Nick Foles looked out of sync. Hard to blame him much. They didn't get much blocking in that game. Again, the Bears running game non-existent. And Matt Nagy at times really looking uh, like he leaves a lot to be desired as a play caller. The Bears' touchdown in that game was a defensive score. Other than that, they only netted three points in the contest on offense. So, John, I want to get your thoughts on that game. I know you watched it being not only a gamble, but a Bears fan in Chicago. Uh, what did you think about what was a tough performance by, by the road team? Tough performance it was, and it was a repeat performance. If you remember, that's why I was on the Bears and the under, because these two teams have played the last two seasons, and I was expecting the game to go very similarly to how it's been uh, the first two times that these teams met, and that it was. I want to run you through the last three quarterback performances uh, from the Bears when playing the Rams. In 2018, Mitch Trubisky, they ended up winning this game, but Trubisky goes for 110 yards, one touchdown, and three interceptions. Last year, Trubisky in a game that the Bears lost and he was benched in, 190 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. This game with Nick Foles, so now you have a second quarterback going against this defense, 261 yards, although I feel like that was the most empty 261 yards you could ever throw in a game, and two interceptions. I have to say at this point that I don't think it's the quarterback problem. You have two different guys of different skill sets, and you know both have inconsistency problems, but it has to be 
the blame on Matt Nagy. I can't believe that he can have two grown men quarterbacks in the NFL perform this poorly against the same team over and over and over and not believe that either the Rams have this offense pegged so perfectly that they can shut down whoever the Bears want to put under center or it's just repeatedly running plays that don't work, emptying drives with you know baffling runs. They're trying to run the ball right at Aaron Donald who is absolutely without a doubt a top five defender in the league. I, I just don't understand what they were going for in that game. So as I was saying, you know, much of last week, I expected this to happen. I really did. However, I expected Nick Foles to be able to find the end zone once or twice. And maybe this is a completely different game. That that defensive touchdown that you mentioned, Jason, could have really swung the game wide open if the Bears would have been able to score, I don't know, one or two times by themselves. But in all, this is the limitations of this team. And earlier in the year, when we were talking about them being the worst three and one team in the history of three and one teams, and then even to another extent, talking about being the worst five and one team in the history and five and one teams. This is what you were thinking about. And unfortunately, this isn't an out of conference game where you only have to worry about playing an opponent like this in the Super Bowl. And in that case, you'd be happy to be there. They are likely going to run into the Rams at some point down the line. If it's in the first round, second round, or wherever in the playoffs, this is an NFC force that the Bears need to stack up against. And they repeatedly can't get it done against this team. Jared Goff didn't shoot the lights out in his performance. You don't need to be an incredible quarterback to beat the Bears when this team is playing this way. The defense had a little bit of a tough game. Again, I've been talking all year about how they have to let up less than 20 points for the Bears to have a reasonable chance to win. They let up 24, and this game never really felt like it was in hand for the Bears. A disgusting display in a brand new, pretty-looking stadium. Let's move on to next week, I guess. John Spataro, well said as we continue on State Lines. Me, Jason Gotch, along with my co-host, John Spataro. And, John, again, uh, summing it up well, I think, talking about how the Bears have a good record. But when you you break down this team right now, uh, there are some things that really you look at and you scratch your head and say, I, I can't see this team making it deep into the playoffs, even though they're probably going to get in with that third wild card team. And, in both the NFC and AFC this year. Nine or ten wins probably gets you in the playoffs, and with that defense, uh, most likely the Bears are not going to fall off the face of the earth. But one thing I want to add to what John said, I think this season, when you look at the NFL, maybe even more so than other years, and I've always thought coaches in the NFL are so important. you, you got a good coach, you got a good quarterback, and you got a good owner, you're going to be in good shape. But a good coach is as important as anything because you look at the history of the NFL – and you see the teams with good coaches, they usually do pretty darn well over the long haul. Not like that necessarily in other sports. I don't think Tyron Lue is a great coach. He led the Cavaliers in 2016 to the NBA championship. You need superstars in the NBA. Hockey, they're rotating coaches all the time. If, you, if you've got the, the screamer coach and he's not working, bring in the laid-back guy and vice versa. You, you just want to change the attitude in the locker room. I think the baseball manager is underrated. A lot of people don't think the manager matters in baseball. I think that's very underrated. Manager probably makes 10,000 decisions over the course of a season. But still, I don't think the baseball manager is as important as the coach in the NFL. And the reason I, I go on this little rant here with you is because Sean McVay completely outcoached Matt Nagy. And going into that game, you knew Sean McVay was a better NFL coach than Matt Nagy. And when I look at Matt Nagy in a season or other coaches, all the coaches, as a matter of fact, in a season where there really was no offseason, I think the coach even becomes more magnified here in 2020 because these teams didn't have the usual preparation in the offseason. I know they've each played a few games, but but still, a lot of this is on the fly. And the Bears got completely outcoached in that game. Matt Nagy's specialty is offense. 
What are the Bears most efficient in this season? Offense. That's a big problem. He's the guy calling the plays. The personnel's not great. I'll give you that. But still, I think some of what Matt Nagy does offensively, he overcomplicates things. The playbook is too big. It's too deep. Keep it simple. That when you got the personnel to run those great plays he has in that book, use it. You don't have the personnel right now. Again, this is State Lines, where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. When we come back, we're going to talk about a lot of the games in the National Football League this week. But first off, we're going to talk about the Bears and the Saints by the lakefront coming up this Sunday as the Bears. Another tough matchup, this time on their own field. We'll talk about that right after this. Glad to have you aboard as we give you the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. He's John Spitaro. My name is Jason Gotch. This Sunday, by the lakefront at Soldier Field, the Bears try and get back on track after that ugly loss at the Rams on Monday Night Football. Short work week for the Bears as they get ready to play the Saints. As an underdog at Soldier Field, the Saints, John, a three-and-a-half point favorite in this game. The total is 43-and-a-half. The Bears are Five and two this year. The Saints are four and two overall. Everybody knows what headlines New Orleans is. It's a good offense led by a Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees, future Hall of Famer that is, and of course probably a future Hall of Fame coach in Sean Payton as well. So the Bears are the challenge this coming Sunday. Certainly, and this is another game that we have recent history on because these two teams met at Soldier Field just last year. And that game, the Bears were favored in, and if you remember, that was Teddy Bridgewater dismantling the Bears' defense on their home field. And that game ended up being 36-25 in favor of the Saints. But I remember it being a lot more lopsided than that before the Bears scored some garbage time points. So looking at this year, these two teams are coming in again you know, on, on a little bit of a different path. The Saints had a lot of doubters after the first two weeks of the year when they lost two of their first three games. They were able to get the best of Tom Brady in the opener, then they lost to Las Vegas, and then they got beat by the Packers in week three. Now they've won three in a row, albeit over the Lions, Chargers, and the Carolina Panthers, who the Bears have also beat. Now, we've already talked about every Bears game this year. I think it's no surprise that this team is winning games, but they're not doing it necessarily in go-away fashion where you really feel good about uh, how they're doing it. So something's got to give in this game. The Bears are 16, I'm sorry, they are 6-13 and 13 against the spread in their last 19 games. Not very good. Recently, the Saints are 1-4 against the spread in the last five games. So when you're looking at, you know, between four and five points uh, between this one, I think it's going to be a pretty close game again. I know I said that against the Rams-Bears last week, but I just don't feel like the Bears are going to put up two bad performances, and I mostly mean that from the defensive side of the ball. I'm never going to be able to discern what the offense is going to do. I think if I could, I would be working in Hellas Hall and figuring out these quarterback problems. But for now, I'm going to bank on the fact that the defense is not going to get beat twice. I know you're going up against a Hall of Fame quarterback like you mentioned, Jason. However, there is a little bit of a wrinkle. This Saints team has not really looked the same in terms of offensive production since they've had Michael Thomas on the sidelines. He's had kind of a lost year. He's been hurt. Then he also missed a game for getting into an altercation with the with a teammate. So he really hasn't had uh, the input 
output that you would want if you were Sean Payton and the Saints. He is questionable at time of recording for this game. So if he is not playing, I feel even better about the Bears' ability to lose this game or win by, you know, four, three, something like that that would give you a cover or an outright win. So keep an eye on that. Make sure you know the personnel coming into the game. And I really hope that the Bears find a way to have a better performance than they did against the Rams last week. All right, John, good analysis right there on the Bears and the Saints. I have to go, though, on the other side of this one, at least with the spread. I'm going to go ahead and take New Orleans in this game. I, I don't normally like to take road dogs in the NFL, but I look at this one and I see the Saints on the board as a two-and-a-half-point underdog. The total in this game is 43. Uh, again, it's a coaching thing for me, first and foremost. I look at Sean Payton on one side, and I look at Matt Nagy on the other side, and I think coming off a short work week for the Bears, I trust Sean Payton's team being coached by Sean Payton more than I trust Matt Nagy's team being coached by Matt Nagy. Plus, you throw Drew Brees into the equation. Yeah, John's right. Absolutely, the Saints offense is not what it's been in recent years. But that Bears game against the Buccaneers, the Bears needed a lot of luck to win that game. Looked like Tampa Bay was going to run away with that game a couple of times. Bears had those scores right before the first half that really got them and kept them in the game, and they got a big turnover there. But again, the Bears, to win games against good teams, they need their defense to take the ball away. And will they do that against New Orleans? It's possible. But I don't know if the Bears' offense can do enough in this contest. So when I see the Saints on the board, as a guy that I am, Jason Gotch, who loves to rave about how much I love home underdogs in the NFL, and I do. In this particular case, I don't like it enough to make it a best play. I don't like it even a, like a, a recommended bet necessarily, but if you give me the money and you say i got to pick a side in this one, I'm going to lay the points. I'm going to take the Saints minus the two and a half. And as far as that total goes over under, I'm going to go over. I think that the Bears will score enough to push that over. I think New Orleans will get their share of points in this game as well. So even though I don't trust the Bears' offense, it's kind of a low number there. It's almost like they're daring you to bet the under, saying, really, should it be 43? And then in reality, if you look deeper into it, I think the over is the play. So I'm going to go with New Orleans minus the 2.5 in Chicago against the Bears, and I'm going to go ahead and take the over in that game of 43 points. Now, this is the time on state lines where we like to get you involved as far as the gambling perspective goes with some of the games that you might see on your TV if you decide to turn it on on Sunday. Daylight savings time goes away on Sunday. Turn those clocks back before you go to bed. On Saturday night, you get an extra hour of sleep. One of my favorite days of the year. I like to get my sleep in. like to catch up on it. But you're going to have an extra hour or get an extra hour to uh, snooze. So you don't want to tune into these games, actually, at the wrong time. Remember, you got to turn that clock back. And we want to catch you up on some of the games that are going to be shown in the state of Illinois on free television if you don't have the direct TV package. And one of those games, this is always a good one, John. Look, NFC North battle. In recent years, the Vikings have been one of the best teams in the NFC North. Not so much this year, but the Packers are in their usual spot. The Packers, uh, well off to a good start this year in that NFC North, and they are on top of the division with only one loss, and they're at home this week against the Vikings. Green Bay's minus seven, over-under, and this one's 55. What do you think, Aaron Rodgers and company get it done, or does Kirk Cousins find a way to cover that thing? 
So yeah, this will be the second time that these two teams have met. They opened the season against each other. The Packers actually won 43-34 in Minnesota, the first uh, first game of the year. And the Vikings were favorites. One and a half points they were uh, heading into that matchup. So that just kind of tells you how the expectations have shifted uh, for the, the Vikings in only the first six games of the year. But otherwise, they've played a pretty tough schedule. I mean, the Packers are a shoe-in, I would say, to be a playoff team. The Indianapolis Colts play some pretty good defense the Tennessee Titans might be the best team in the AFC although they lost last week and the Vikings only lost by one to them they've also lost to the Seahawks and uh, then they had a a pretty bad loss to the Falcons uh, and also ended up beating the Houston Texans for their only win of the year so all that to say uh, you know I was kind of ready to throw some dirt on the Packers after they lost in embarrassing fashion to the Buccaneers but they came right back and shoved it in my face and pretty much anybody else who was doubting them with a 15 point win over said Houston Texans last week. So if I'm looking at this game, it's going to be close to a, a seven point spread. And if that's the case, I think I got to take the Packers. I really just don't see them uh, playing this game any better, uh, that them being the Vikings in this case, than they did on their home field to open up the year. Look, that was the that was the game that they had the most expectations. That one that's when morale was the highest, and they ended up losing by nine points. So if you're heading to Lambeau now, uh, probably going to be a pretty cold day in northern Wisconsin. I don't expect it to go much differently. Aaron Rodgers looked to figure some things out last week after putting up a stinker against Tom Brady and the Bucks. Give me the Packers in this game. I, I really don't have uh, any reason to think that they're not going to be able to win by at least a touchdown. All right, John going with the Packers, laying the seven against Minnesota. I'll take a shot of the dog in this game. Uh, Kirk Cousins is not a guy necessarily like a lot to trust my money on. And it's John with the analysis early in the season, that that opener where the Packers went up to Minnesota and won that game, albeit with no fans in the stand. So it's a road game on paper, but when there's no crowd, the one thing in Minnesota historically is it's always been a tough place to play, very loud stadium, whether they're in the new place or they're back in the old uh, hefty bag, as Hawk Harrelson on the White Sox broadcast used to like to call what right field looked like for the baseball games. And the hefty bag was still there when the the, the, tw- the, the Twins played the baseball games or the, the Vikings played uh, for many years in that place. It was so loud, tough place to play but I think what what Minnesota is going to be able to do here is I think they're a little underrated right now they don't have a good record there's still some talent on that roster on both sides of the ball and I don't think they're going to win this game this is a, a strictly a bet saying that they're going to cover they're going to cover the seven points I would not take this on the money line uh, either way and if I actually if I had to take a money line bet I would take Green Bay to win I just wouldn't want to lay all that money down uh, with them being minus seven just to win straight up so I'm going to take the Vikings say Kirk Cousins finds a way to keep this thing close maybe a little bit of a look ahead spot here even though it's a rivalry game Minnesota not as good as they were last year and Aaron Rodgers and company maybe getting caught napping a little bit they'll win the game but it'll be close so I'm going to take the Vikings uh, plus the seven. One more, John, here before we take a quick break and get to some more games here on State Lines where we get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. Here's a fun one for you. The Jets and the Chiefs. The Chiefs are minus 20 and a half. The total in this game at Arrowhead Stadium is 48 and a half. Boy, that's a huge number to lay if you got Kansas City if you want to take them. But, boy, the Jets are bad. What gives here? Yeah, I really have a, a tough time looking at this game because a couple weeks ago, like I said, I've, I've sworn off betting on the Jets. I, I don't care how many points they're getting. 19 and a half or 20 or 21, whatever this one comes out to be, is not enough. I really don't think the Jets are competitive this year. And maybe that 
might be by design. They may have eyes on the number one overall pick in kind of de facto Trevor Lawrence in that case. The only real thing that comes into play when you have these many points on the board for such a clearly lopsided battle is garbage time. I'm, I'm going to watch this game maybe in highlights only, but I don't think I'll spend much time thinking about it after this. All right. I am going to go ahead and take the Chiefs here. I'm going to lay the 20 and a half points. Adam Gaze is the worst coach in the National Football League. You could argue Andy Reid's the best coach in the league. Uh, the Jets, like John said, do not seem motivated at all. The Chiefs approach it like pros. Even if they got to run the third stringers out there, I still think they'll take care of the Jets. So I actually like Kansas City here. I think Kansas City is the team to play. So we're going to go ahead and take Kansas City minus the 20 and a half. And when we return on state lines, we'll have more on our picks for week number seven right after that. Best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. He's John Spataro. My name is Jason Gotch. And we continue to roll through some of our games in week number seven or week number eight. I beg your pardon in the National Football League. Time flies when you're having fun. They're going to be on your TV sets in the state of Illinois this week. Even if you don't have that direct TV package, the regional coverage for you went through some of the games already that you'll be seeing throughout the state. But another one of those games, John, I can't believe this, but the Motor City Kitties, the Detroit Lions, actually playing some pretty decent football right now. Uh, they were winners the last two weeks out against the Jaguars and Falcons, respectively, on the road. Now, those are bad teams, but, hey, you got to beat the teams on your schedule. And the Lions have done just that, covering the spread in each of those contests, winning them straight up. This week, though, they take class hike. The Colts and Phillip Rivers go to Detroit and Ford Field. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite, the Colts are. The total in that game is 50 and a half. Do the Detroit Lions roar for the third week in a row, or is this the Colts day John Spataro? I'm with you on the class hike. I think that this is the best team that the uh, Lions are going to play. And if they do end up winning, it's going to be the best team that they've beaten so far. I mean, everybody, and, and I do mean everybody, seems to be able to come back against you know insurmountable odds and find a way to beat the Falcons. So I'm not even going to include them in a nice win. Uh, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are, are mired in mediocrity as well, like we've seen them for the past few years. I don't really know what to think about that. A pretty good win, a field goal win against the Arizona Cardinals, who I would say have come on after that uh, win against the Seahawks this week. They look like a much better team than maybe people thought at the beginning of the year, but the rest of the games, you know, really, uh, you know, haven't, haven't had much to, to write home about. Obviously they lost in embarrassing fashion the first week against the Bears, got blown out by the Packers, and then lost by six to the Saints. Meanwhile, the Colts, you know, kind of another team like the Bears, kind of hard to judge whether or not they're actually as good as their record states. They lost to the Jaguars in the first week of the year, which, you know, a little bit of a common opponent there could be an interesting pick and then also you know beat um, the Bears Jets uh, Vikings and Bengals who really aren't great teams so when I'm looking at this one you know what Jason I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions why not two and a half points or whatever it's going to end up at kickoff it might be worth a, a look I mean the, the Lions have I, I guess stepped up their game a little bit and the Colts really do feel like a pretty classic Philip Rivers team very you know, gritty and, and always seem to have a one score game coming down to the wire in 
in the fourth quarter, and the Lions were able to eke one out last week against, you know, I would say a better quarterback in Matt Ryan and a little bit more uh, offensive firepower in the Falcons, even with all their struggles. So give me the Lions. It's going to be a pretty big game for the Bears because if if that happens, uh, if the Lions do get it done, it now turns into a three-team race in the NFC North, which is not uh, necessarily too favorable for the Bears, especially after the way they looked last week. So I'm going to be rooting, I guess, for the Colts. Uh, It could be a one-point game, and I could get a Colts win and a Lions cover. But mostly, I I think the Lions uh, had a pretty good showing last week. They come home. I think they might get it done again. Well, John Spataro is on the Detroit Lions. And I got to say, look, the last couple weeks I have bet against the Lions. And why would I want to start betting on them right now? Maybe because they proved me wrong the last couple of weeks. But I'm going to go with the Colts in this one. I'm going to lay that two and a half. I don't feel very good about it again. This is not one of my best plays of the week. But Matt Patricia, one of the worst coaches in the NFL. They beat two really bad teams the Lions did in the Jaguars and the Falcons straight up the last two weeks. The Colts and Phillip Rivers offensively have been disappointing this season. Look, Rivers has not been as good as I expected him to be when he came over from the Chargers in the offseason. I thought that was a really good signing by the Colts. Maybe it'll turn out that way. John, I thought, put it a good way. They're a gritty Phillip Rivers team. I expected them to be more than gritty this year. I thought that Phillip Rivers uh, would up his game a little bit after, you know, having a couple of up-and-down years with a Chargers team that wasn't really, especially last year, very disappointing Chargers team. But he's still a pro, and Rivers has had a really good career. But this hasn't been his year so far with the Colts. Maybe it's just the adjustment, no offseason, uh, new home after, you know, 15 or 16 years in the NFL with one franchise. But I still think that the Colts are going to be good enough to get this one done. I'll stay away from that total of 50 and a half. We'll take the Colts. We'll lay the two and a half points in this contest. Here's another one for you, John, and normally this would be our toilet bowl game of the week, but it's not going to be because this is actually a Sunday night contest, and this is one that has huge implications in the NFC East, or should I call it the NFC least? The Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles in a terrible division. One of the worst divisions, in my opinion, in NFL history. You look at it right now, and you see that the Eagles lead the NFC East with a 2-4-1 record. The Washington football team's 2-5. The Cowboys are 2-5 under first-year coach Mike McCarthy, a first-year coach that players anonymously are saying does not have the team ready to play. That's how good things are going in McCarthy's first year in Dallas. And don't count out Joe Judge's Giants. Don't look now, but they're only one down in the win column at one and six from the two, four, and one Eagles. You get the idea. This is a terrible division, but this is the Sunday night game this week. Cowboys at the Eagles. Eagles a seven and a half point favorite. The over-unders 43 and a half. Cowboys with issues at quarterback. Andy Dalton, the backups banged up. Dak Prescott's out for the year with that ankle injury. Uh, the Eagles and Carson Wentz, at least, is healthy. So what do you think here, John? Lincoln Financial Field. Do the Eagles fly? Eagles fly. Or do the Cowboys come to town and, and, and win this game? Well, there's always uh, the old uh, betting adage that you don't pass up an opportunity to bet on Ben DiNucci. Uh, obviously, I'm being completely facetious. He is the third-string quarterback for the Cowboys, like Jason mentioned. Andy Dalton came in after Dak Prescott. He got his bell rung in a pretty violent hit uh, last game uh, with the Cowboys, and I think it was pretty telling. This was kind of blown up on social media, but I think it begs to bears mentioning. Uh, after you know Dalton got knocked down and and you know seemingly got his lights turned out uh, after a pretty serious hit, which led to a, a concussion uh, allegedly. 
allegedly, uh, the Cowboys didn't even really react. You know, usually you see a pretty big hit on a quarterback or any sort of skill player, and the offensive line at the very least, or even guys from the sidelines will rush in and, and attack the defensive player who did the hit and, and really kind of fire the team up. That didn't happen, at, you know, on this Cowboys team. And I think that just goes to show you that this this team is exhausted and, and not necessarily in a physical way, but just disappointed in the way that their season's turned out with Mike McCarthy and then obviously Dak Prescott going out just completely took the air out of this season. Uh, on top of all that, very quietly, uh, Ezekiel Elliott is having a terrible year. He's fumbling the ball. He's not really getting any sort of yardage after contact. It's really just been a disaster for the Cowboys. All that being said, they are still a half game out of first place and they could be in sole possession of first place if they win this game. Now, the Eagles obviously have had their share of struggles, but just not the same type of struggles. I, I don't think anybody in this division is necessarily great. I mean, you talked about the Giants. That Thursday night game last week had just about everything. I mean, Daniel Jones tripping over himself, the Eagles coming back and coming back to win late. It's really just the up and down nature of the NFC uh, East which has just been you know, a, a comedy of errors for many years, uh, and, and this one is, is no different. So uh, all that you know, kind of coming together to say, I don't think that this game's going to be uh, a, a huge one either way, but I can't say that uh, Carson Wentz is going to uh, be outplayed by a rookie quarterback, seventh-round pick from James Madison University if Andy Dalton cannot play. So give me that on that alone. I'm going to watch this one probably with, you know, uh, a couple tissues so that I can wipe away some tears for laughing so hard at, at these just two, uh, you know, below-average teams gotten out for a division. But I think this one has to be the Eagles. The Cowboys just look completely out of sorts, and I don't think that they're going to be doing much uh, more winning going out. All right, John Spataro locked in for that game. I'm going to go ahead and take the Eagles as well here. Look, John summed it up well at the end. I don't think the Cowboys are going to do much winning from this point on. And if they do, it's only because the division's horrible. But I don't think Philly is as bad a team as Dallas is right now. Look, you're down to your, your third-string quarterback for this game, possibly. If Dalton were to be healthy and come back, how good is he going to be? And Mike McCarthy's been brutal. I, I love the NFL media when they told me that Mike McCarthy – they always do this with coaches that have been around forever. Oh, the guy sits out a year, and he's learned so much, and he's going to he's gonna change his approach from what went wrong in the last job. I heard that with Jeff Fisher when he got back in the game with the Rams after being with the Titans. Heard it with a bunch of other guys. Heard it with McCarthy after he got bounced in Green Bay, took last year off. It's the same Mike McCarthy. It's the same issues they had in Green Bay towards the end. I mean, you got anonymous players five or six games into a guy's tenure saying, guess what? That guy doesn't have the team prepared. That's a problem. Plus, he's got so many injuries. The Cowboys are bad. I hate laying the hook. I'll admit it. The half point bothers me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Take the Eagles minus seven and a half against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, one more here, John, before we recap our Bears picks and also get to our three best bets of the week, as we'll have those for you here in a moment. But before we do that, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New York football Giants. Now, here's one of those other bad teams in the NFC East. They're on their own field in New Jersey. The total in this game against Brady and company is 47 and a half. And Brady and company, the Buccaneers, Gronkowski and the crew, Bruce Arians, favored by 10 and a half points at the Giants. You're going to touch that big number, John? Stay away or maybe go ahead and go with the Giants in this one. 
I do think the Giants showed me a little bit in their game against the Eagles that they can hang with some teams. I mean, I'm not saying the Eagles are, are the best team in the NFL or anything like that, but I thought that they were going to be much, much worse in terms of a quarter-to-quarter -quarter competitiveness. I thought that they were going to be getting blown out by halftime in almost all their games after Saquon Barkley went down. I really didn't think um, that the Giants had much staying power at all, but they've been able to hang in some games. I mean, they've lost almost every game that they've played, uh, and they have against teams that are not named the Washington football team but you know got a bad loss to the Steelers lost to the Bears lost to the Niners and lost to the Rams those are probably four playoff teams and then once you get into division play I mean I guess somebody's got to win these games even though it seems like every team's trying to lose I think they're going to have to find a way to put up uh, maybe 20 or 30 points against this Buccaneers team uh, all while keeping Tom Brady in check I don't think that's going to be the case I think the Bucks take this one pretty easy all right, John, I'm going to go the other way on this one. I actually do like the Giants here, and one big reason I think this is a look-ahead spot for Tampa Bay. They've got the Saints on deck next week. That one could be uh, one that decides eventually supremacy in the NFC South, so I think this is a little bit of a look-ahead spot here for Tampa Bay. We come back here on State Lines where we get the best pro football information in the state of Illinois. John Spataro and I, Jason Gotch, will give you our three best bets against the spread for week number eight. We'll also recap our picks for the Bears game. We'll do that more right after this. Welcome back to State Lines, where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. He's John Spataro. My name is Jason Gotch. This is the time of the show you've been waiting for. We give you our three best bets against the spread. John and I give you three games that we like the most of all the games on the board this week. Plus, for all the listeners just joining the program, maybe you didn't tune in earlier, just clicking on that radio. We're going to recap our picks for the Bears and the Saints. Again, late afternoon game just after 3 o'clock by the lakefront this week. Saints, two-and-a-half-point favorite in that game over the Bears. The total's 43-and-a-half. John, go ahead and remind the listeners what way you went in that contest. Yeah, I picked the Bears. I think that that's going to be a, a cover opportunity for them. I, I just had to believe, and, and still do, that there's no way that the Bears' defense is going to put up two poor performances in a row. They do give up some yardage. They do give up some scores every now and then. But, you know, in, in enough of a timeline, I think that this defense is going to play uh, closer to the games that we saw them play against the Panthers than we did them see uh, see them play against the Rams. So I know Drew Brees is coming in as a Hall of Fame quarterback and he could throw the ball all over the yard. I also mentioned in the first segment to make sure before this game kicks off that you know who's going to be on the field. Michael Thomas, the all-star wide receiver for the Saints, is questionable, so make sure you see if he is in the mix. And even if he is, he, he's obviously battle, battling an injury and may not be as much of a factor as they need him to be to perform at the Saints levels that you've seen in years past. So I'm going to go with the Bears in this game. I think that they get back on track at home. You know, it, it really was going to be a tough two-week stretch here. Uh, you knew that when you were looking at the schedule at the beginning of the year. These are going to be two of the best teams that the Bears have played all year, being the Rams and now the Saints. I just don't think that the defense puts up two stinkers. Nick Foles is going to have to find a way to score, or else you might even see Trubisky in this game. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you might want to be on the lookout for that. Either way, I think the Bears find a way to cover. Hesitant to say that they're going to win, but it could be a close game, field goal game. You know you know the drill. I think this one's going to be close almost the entire time, which leads to a, a, a nail-biter, but a cover from the Bears, if you're asking me. 
All right, I'm on the other side of this one. Jason Gotch and John Spataro differ on the Bears this week. I'm taking the Saints, minus the 2.5. I'm also going to take the over in this game of 43.5, but I like the side more. Sean Payton against uh, Matt Nagy. I love the coaching matchup there. I'm going to go with the Saints for one, one reason I'm going with the Saints, the coaching matchup. Another one, Bears coming off that short work week after the loss to the Rams. Another one, the Bears' offense just is not very good right now as much as I love their defense. And I think Drew Brees and company in the Saints' running game will do enough against that Bears' uh, defense uh, to cover this spread. So I'm going to go ahead and lay the two and a half points, take the Saints against the Bears on Sunday. John, I'm going to give you the floor now because it's time for our three best bets against the spread uh lay out some winners i know me and you have been a struggle the last couple of weeks but I think this is the week we're going to turn things around well i sure hope that that's the case jason so let's start with something that i'm going to uh, uh, coin here maybe even want to put it on a t-shirt uh, i'm going to go with Tua time and that means of course Tua Tagovailoa is coming in to play quarterback for the Miami Dolphins it's his first start of the NFL the much anticipated debut of the Alabama star who uh, took the world by storm for his performance at a national championship game a few years ago he is being thrown into the fire starting off his first NFL game at home against the LA Rams which we just saw the Bears play on Monday night and I think I'm going to take the Dolphins in this one the Dolphins are getting a handful of points depending on where you're looking I'm seeing them at about a three and a half point underdog. The hook is huge there. I mean, I think that Tua and this Dolphins team, I mean, don't look now. They're three and three. They're looking to get over 500. They've been playing some good football of late. It, you know, so good of football, actually, that it was actually surprising that they took Ryan Fitzpatrick out of the starting position to put Tagovailoa in. That, you know, installs to me or instills to me that there's some confidence behind this young kid and that what they're seeing in practice and what they're seeing, you know, when they're envisioning their season and they think they can get to another level with him at quarterback. So I'm going to build off that confidence. I, I think that the, the Dolphins are going to find a way to lose by less than three and a half points. It's pretty simple. That could be a field goal. They could win this game outright. But a tough game, you know, flying all the way across the country for the Rams, although they've done that, you know, seemingly every other week this year. They've been flying all over the place. But this game, I, I really do think the Dolphins have a good chance to cover, and I could sorely need it. So Tua Tagovailoa, if you're listening, uh, help me out, please. I'll be rooting for you on Sunday. Also, I'm going to go to another team that has a young quarterback that's actually turned into a little bit of a covering the spread machine, if you will, the Cincinnati Bengals. Jason, I know you've talked about the Bengals a little bit this year. You know, they've been uh, always, you know, one of the more mediocre teams in the last few years, ever since they had that run with Andy Dalton when they were going to the playoffs seemingly every year. But Joe Burrow really had a coming out party last week. He threw for over 400 yards. He did come up short against Baker Mayfield's Browns, but all in all, I I think that that team's starting to find some footing. They have possibly the worst offensive line in the league, maybe only second to the Bears. We'll see how that shakes out for the rest of the year. But all in all, I think Joe Burrow is taking some steps forward. Uh, the Bengals might be without Joe Mixon, but Giovanni Bernard uh, filled in pretty admirably last year. And A.J. Green, you remember him? He's starting to look like he's uh, ready to contribute on the offensive side of the ball again. So all in all, I think that this team is trending up. They're going to have a tough test against the Tennessee Titans at home this weekend and the Titans lost a, a close one a pretty good game like we expected against the Pittsburgh Steelers but that was really for the class of the AFC so I'm not really taking too much away from them uh, losing that game to Pittsburgh but all in all this game again I'm seeing it around five and a half points I think the Bengals will hang with the Titans I think Burrow has a chance uh, to lead some scoring drives he, he can get the ball around the field and uh, he, he may have it in his hands for a good uh, chunk of time this week so I'm going to give it uh, to the Bengals this week 
week. I don't know if necessarily I feel good about them winning the game, but covering, uh, why not? They're 5-1-1 one, one against the spread are the Bengals. So more often than not, they've found ways to exceed expectations, and I think they're going to do so this week again at Paul Brown Stadium. And then finally, uh, my last game of the year, I'm going to go to a team that I think people have kind of forgotten about because they got uh, embarrassed on Monday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's the Baltimore Ravens. Remember them? They're 5-1. and one. They were on a bye last week, and you know people kind of breezed over them uh, with all these other teams in the AFC, the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Titans, like we've talked about, uh, performing at a pretty high level. But the Ravens are right there with them, and they have a tough match against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a division game. Uh, the Ravens will be at home, and I think that they're going to find a way to win this game and cover the spread as a four-point favorite. I think that the Steelers, uh, the only undefeated team left in the NFL, are going to have a tough time with the Ravens this week. I think Lamar Jackson rested and ready to roll is going to find a way uh, to really tie up the, the top of the division in the uh, in the AFC North. So I'm going to go with the Ravens in this one. They're four-point favorites. I think they'll find a way to win by a touchdown. So to round out my week, I'm going with Tua Tagovailoa's uh, Miami Dolphins as, uh, as underdogs against the LA Rams. I'm also going with the Cincinnati Bengals as underdogs against the Tennessee Titans. And then my lone favorite of the week, the Baltimore Ravens at home. They're getting four points uh, or they're giving four points to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think a lot of people are going to be betting the Steelers in this one. I'm going the opposite direction. Give me the Ravens as uh, home favorites to win. All right, John Spataro locked in with three winners right there. At least he hopes they are. And I, Jason Gotch, now get a turn at the floor to give you my three best bets. John, I'm with you with that Ravens game. Uh, I promise I'm not stealing off your sheet, but that game, I look at the Steelers and I see a huge emotional win against the Titans team. Battle of Unbeatens last week in Nashville. Goskowski misses the 45-yard field goal for the Titans as time expires in that contest, so the Steelers escape. A lot of emotion now to play two road games against real tough teams and get up, I know, for a division opponent, which they will do their best to do it, but I think the Steelers are just going to be a little worn out here. I think Lamar Jackson and company get the best of Pittsburgh in a game that could be critical for AFC North supremacy and probably will be. So give me the Ravens minus the four and a half. I think they hand the Steelers the first loss for Pittsburgh here in 2020. Also, I'm actually going to be on the opposite side of one of John's picks here, and I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans against the Cincinnati Bengals. My wife probably won't be too happy with me here. She's born and bred from Cincinnati, now residing here in the great state of Illinois with me, but uh, she's a huge Bengals fan, always wears her Bengals gear, but i got to go with uh, my head instead of my heart. As much as I love my wife, I want to see the, the bank account grow a little bit, and I think the Titans bounce back from that uh, tough loss to the Steelers and get some revenge here, laying the four and a half points in Cincinnati against the Bengals team that John mentioned had a real tough loss, even though Joe Burrow played really well against the rival Browns last week at Paul Brown Stadium. Bengals had a lead late in that game. They found a way to lose it. Maybe a hangover effect possible for both teams here, but I think the Titans are just the better team on the road, so go ahead and give me the Titans minus the four and a half. And lastly, I actually mentioned this game. We were going through some of the TV games in Illinois. They're going to be available on free TV this weekend. But I, I mentioned who I was going to pick. I didn't tell you, though, that was going to be one of my best bets, but here it is. Look, you got to have cojones if you're going to bet, right? You got to be able to trust yourself, and this is one that takes a lot of guts to lay the 20 and a half with the Kansas City Chiefs against the New York Jets at Arrowhead Stadium. It's not that you don't think the Chiefs are going to win that game, 
Delay almost three touchdowns in an NFL game? Yes. I think Adam Gaze and the Jets are that bad. And I think Andy Reid and the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes are that good. So I'm going to go ahead and lay the 20 and a half with the Chiefs at home against the New York very bad J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So to sum it up, my three best bets, Jason Gotch here. Chiefs minus 20 and a half. Titans on the road, minus four and a half. And the Baltimore Ravens right now, they're fluctuating between a four and a four and a half point favorite. Either way, bet them at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That will do it for week eight of State Lines. For John Spataro, my name is Jason Gotch. Enjoy the winners, everybody. We'll talk to you for week number nine next week. Have a great NFL weekend, everybody. This show is for entertainment purposes only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.